Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. want it to be or as bad as you don't want it to be. I have had that on a sticky note on my computer in the office for probably 15 years. Not even joking. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and I was explaining that this life is a choice, right? We're, we're choosing to do the things that we're doing. And if we're miserable, the question is why? Why be miserable? You know, you can, you can not only choose to do something different, you can choose how you perceive what it is that you're that you're actually doing. And I think one of the things that we forget is we're going to come up against the terror barrier in whatever we do in life. There's just no question about it. We're going to even if you're not actively going after personal growth or you're trying to grow there are things that happen in a person's life where you're you're tested as far as the terror barrier goes. You know, we we lose people, things change. Um, uh, well, there's all there's always change on the horizon, and how a person interprets that is a great deal of uh, uh, choice in their mindset as far as whether or not they're happy, they're afraid, uh, they're joyous. So I just don't see, you know, I think I think once we wake up to the idea that, listen, I'm, I am making a conscious choice to do what it is that I'm doing. And because I'm doing that, I can make a choice to be happy and really get out of any kind of idea of self-pity, right? Uh, it is, it is just a horrible thing to go down a, a pity party or to beat yourself up uh, over something that's not going well or not happening fast enough or, or really being triggered by the idea of a terror barrier. So I just want to explain the terror barrier again because I think it's a, it's a good idea to have a refresh on this as far as to what this actually looks like. A person who is going through life from an ignorant perspective, an ignorant state, in other words, they don't know that they don't know, uh, they're kind of asleep in the world. You know, they're, they're born, they're raised, nobody ever really interjects the idea of the power of responsibility into their life. So they show up in a world where they believe they have to just do whatever the world tells them to do. And for the very first part of that, for most people, that's very accurate. You know, we have to do what mom and dad tell us to do. 
then we start to go to school and we have to do what we're being told to do uh, in school. And we're following this, we're following this, this routine of learning and direction. And then the, here is, the, here is the next level. But for an ignorant person, the next level really is not about, you know, excitement and what can I create and finding my purpose. It's more of a burden for them. It's more responsibility without understanding. And, you know, it does, it, it kind of creates a burden in their mind about life and life in general. On top of that, they, they view themselves from almost from a victim perspective, where they never get a break, things are always going wrong. I think it's fascinating that when a person is in that place, it, it almost seems like no matter what they do, they can't get a break. I remember when I was in that mindset and I was experiencing life that way, it seemed like it didn't matter. It did not matter what I did. It did not matter how hard I tried. Nothing went right. Absolutely nothing would go right. It was always one catastrophe after a next, one problem after the next, uh, one, uh, one mistake or error after the next. And I couldn't figure out like, why is this happening? Why am I having this experience? Well, part of it is that I'm asleep. I'm very ignorant about my role in the world as far as how I interact with everything. Uh, my mentor used to say, you see yourself as a thing in a world of things. There's no association in our mind as far as the relationship between ourselves and everything else. So it's pretty fascinating. And it's, it's also fascinating to watch somebody go through this. Whether you pick somebody to watch who is, uh, uh, you know, in the news or something like that, or it's somebody that you know, you should, you should pick somebody and just observe them. Find a person who really does not understand their, their relationship between themselves and the world. And watch how they, how they interact with that. It's a, fa it's a fascinating thing. So this person is thinking programmed thoughts. The only thoughts that they know how to think is what was told to them about the world that they live in and who they are. They don't realize that they have a choice to think something different. A matter of fact, usually they ridicule anything that's different. It's not acceptable. They make fun of people who think about things that are different. Anything that's different than them is weird or wrong or, you know, uh, judgmental. It's, it's not something that they even consider as maybe a different viewpoint would change something in their life. So the subconscious mind, which is programmed to tell them how to think about the what that they're experiencing is giving them a very, uh, a, a very biased directive. And then that's how they see the world. They're, they're asleep. They don't know that they don't know. So they think program thoughts, they have program thoughts, 
their results are the equal are equal to that programming. Uh, everything within their world is within this bubble, and they don't see anything different. Somewhere along the line, some of these people begin to wake up to some degree. In other words, and, and, and here's the way that I've always observed it. It was, also, it was also the way that it happened with me. I've never seen anybody that completely woke up that it didn't happen this way. When you break it right down to the base of it, a different question started to occur to them in their mind at some point. Or they had a question that they started to get a different answer. So their perception started to shift just a little bit uh, in their world. They're still programmed with the old thought process. And think about, also think about all the different, uh, different ways that they're programmed, right? So they're programmed by their parents. You have, you have two sets of family trees right? And, and all of that information that is coming down from one generation to the next. Usually there's some religious programming going on here. And the way most religions are taught is that there's an absolutism about it. This religion's right. All the other religions are wrong. There's a consequence to, to even considering something different. Uh, there is a way of viewing the way that they work in the world, it's mostly for survival and everybody's out to get them. So that, that foundation is still there, but there's a question. The question is not in harmony with the old way of thinking. They actually clash, but they're not experiencing anything as far as fear goes. Uh, with the idea of the terror barrier at this point because they're not really emotionally involved in any type of change. So various different things could happen with a person at, at this stage of the, of, the, of the transition. Usually they're gathering information. They're trying to find answers to the questions that they have, but they have a real dilemma that's going on in their mind. The programmed information is constantly trying to answer the question. So it's kind of like the yeah buts of the world. Here's this question. I'm seeking an answer. My subconscious mind is consistently trying to answer this question. I may be, I may be picking up books. I may be looking on the internet. I may be watching other people. I may be talking to people or asking them. I'm trying to ascertain information from, uh, from some kind of a different source. But the subconscious mind does not really want me to do this. So it's always giving me this directive that is trying to create confusion and uh, some kind of conflict that's going on. If a person at this stage starts to put anything together, especially, or I would say usually what ends up happening at this point is that there's something going on in the person's life that they desperately would like to change. So now it's not just the question, 
but it's they want a different result somewhere in their life. Maybe they're having tremendous pressure inside of a relationship and the relationship's going bad. Maybe they're in a relationship with somebody who's very dysfunctional. Uh, maybe they're having real trouble at work. Uh, maybe they're having major health issues that just keep recurring and they can't figure out how to get that squared away. It could be financial. It could be uh, friendship. It could be religious challenges that they're having. It could, be, it could be basically anywhere. But the idea is that at some level, they actually want a different result. They want to find a different solution to the problem that they have. And the bigger the problem, the bigger the desire for this solution that they're starting to look for, which usually means they're going to allow more information to come in. The more information that they allow to come in, the more dangerous that is for the subconscious mind. The subconscious does not want this information in there, and it's going to keep trying to find ways of rejecting it. So if we remember the way that the subconscious mind is working at this point, is that it is going to try to find something in our world to get us to pay attention to, and then it's going to feed us the lie of the paradigm so that consciously we could fall into agreement. Because if the subconscious mind can get us to agree with whatever the paradigm is, we will voluntarily drop our pursuit, our pursuit forward. We'll just drop it because we agree with it. The moment that we start to agree with it, by the way, it begins to shift our perception. So on one hand, before the subconscious mind is threatened, we might be asking the question and the door seems very open. There's no nervousness. There's not a lot of, there's, well, there's some confusion, but not a lot of confusion. There's no tension in the body that's saying pull back. We're not getting any outside pressure from, from anyone. Like nobody's teasing us or making us wrong or ridiculing us for what it is that we're asking. So it's kind of benign, if you will, in this stage. But the, but the moment that we start to make it a little bit more serious, that unconscious sabotage begins to show up and really double down on screwing with our thought process. So there is an absolute pattern to this for every single person. And the way that it works is the moment that I get emotionally involved in the new idea, and that's really the key. I get emotionally involved in the new idea. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. They do not mix. And the subconscious mind needs to find a way to try to kick this idea out. So it, 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 follows, it follows that belief triangle. If you've seen me use the belief triangle before, the first thing is this. The thinking must be attacked. So, when, so in order for the thinking to be attacked, it's attacked by doubt. Doubt is the thing that comes in and messes with our thinking. The second that happens, we are not operating from a hardcore belief any longer. 
Because in order to have uh, a, a true belief, there is no lack of integrity within the structure of that belief. In other words, consciously, unconsciously, and in our behavior, it's all lined up correctly. There's no doubt, there's no worry, there's no fear, there's no opposing question that's pulling us in a different direction. It is 100% solid. The second doubt creeps in, it's no longer, it no longer has that strength. So if we have any strength at all, it's gonna be more of a faith-based strength at this point. But the key is this, somehow, Doubt got into our mind. It attacked the way that we think. So what happens when we doubt? We start to go into confusion. We start to have confusion. Strength, internal strength from a decision-making process, from, a, from an emotional strength also, is about clarity. The more clear we can become, the more strength that we have, the more certainty that we have. If I'm clear, I have certainty. If I'm clear, I have understanding. If I'm clear, I'm operating from a belief. I have direction. I can make decisions. I can move forward. I have, I have power. I have real power. But doubt will, will break that certainty. It will, it will screw with the clarity. It will, it will create confusion. Right after doubt comes in, worry, worry follows. Worry is the second piece. And under, also understand that this usually happens, you know, in a millisecond. It's not like doubt shows up one day and then six weeks later we find ourselves in worry. It usually proceeds rather quickly. So doubt comes in, screws with our thinking. We're no longer certain. Our mind is bouncing back and forth. Confusion is setting in, and now we have worry. Why worry? Because once doubt comes in and it starts messing with the, the, the clarity of how we think, our intellect does engage to some degree here. And it's usually engages from two processes. One is how we reason or how we critically think. So now we're using other, in our mind anyway, fact-based ideas in order to come to a conclusion. But when doubt comes in, we're now following the suggestion of doubt. What is it that the doubt is suggesting? Second, so intellect, right? Reason, what is it suggesting? And then based on that suggestion, the second part of our intellect that engages at this point is imagination. Now we're in real trouble because our imagination can create anything but it's generally going to create along the lines of a predetermined thought process. So now you have the doubt come in. It's, 
It is giving you a suggestion based on whatever that might be. Our imagination kicks in. It picks that ball up and starts running with it. And we start creating ideas in our mind that's basically the what ifs of life. What if this happened? What if that happened? What if this goes wrong? What if they say no? What if I can't pay the bill? What if they back out of the program? You know, what if they find another attorney? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? But what's really in charge is our imagination is running with that ball of doubt. Once the imagination kicks in and starts doing this, I'm now in worry. I'm now in worry because I have a, a subset of different uh, uh, ideas, situations, and consequences that are all being presented to my mind. It's creating tremendous confusion, but it's also playing off of what I'm already afraid of. All the different possibilities of what could go wrong. Am I happy at this point? Probably not. I'm probably not a happy person at this point. I'm probably very confused, don't know what to do. So I went from doubt to worry, next is fear. Now I'm in fear. Once this evil triad shows up, I am going to do something very specific because it's too uncomfortable to stay in this place. So the idea is that I go into resistance or rejection of my initial idea. I'm going to start to agree with whatever my imagination is conjuring up. Oh, I don't want that. I don't want all the I don't want to experience all these things that could possibly go wrong. And then I'm going to suppress my desire. So whatever desire that was starting to be expressed or starting to flower or starting to bear fruit based on my initial different question about life is now going to be suppressed. Because in my mind, now it's causing me pain. So we don't express, we suppress. And this is where it gets really bad. Because whatever, whatever that wall is that we wanted to go through to, to experience something different, to grow, has become way too big. That's why with clients, one of the first things that you have to do with a client is to walk through their sabotage process. Because once you understand that between you and the client, you can overcome it before you get there. But first of all, you need to know it for yourself, right? So this wall now, which represents this tear barrier, I can't get through it because of everything that's being suggested that will go wrong if I try. So I suppress, I reject, I resist, and I agree with whatever it is that it's saying, and I stop. Right there, I hit the wall, I stop. I've hit the terror barrier. The problem with this is that if you don't know how to break through the terror barrier, you've just strengthened it. 
You've created a pattern. You've expanded a pattern. You're verifying to your subconscious mind that it knows specifically how to stop you. And it will use it again and again and again and again. So that pattern gets very, very strong. The idea is if I'm going to break through this, it's not do I, it's not how do I get the fear to go away? It's how do I move through it regardless of the fact that the fear is there? The fear will always be there when you're breaking through a terror barrier. We don't want it to go away. We want to tap into the resources that we have that allow us to break through fear. What resource do we have? Courage. God gave us resources to overcome fear. Courage is the tool that we use to overcome fear. Vision is the tool that we use to bring clarity to our mind when we have confusion trying to take over. Hope and faith allow us to develop some level of understanding beyond the terror barrier so that there is, there is a, a cognitive reason for us to actually go through it and come out on the other side. Every level, every time you're up leveling, you will hit another terror barrier. As far as I know, for the rest of your life, there will always be another terror barrier. The thing about them that I think that, that changes is that after you've broken through quite a few of these things, it doesn't represent the same kind of fear as it did before. But you always have to remember that there could be some latent fear inside of yourself that you don't even know about that needs the right combination lock to open. You know, like maybe you have a fear about something that really won't open until you're 60 years old. And there's a, there's a specific set of circumstances that show up at that time. All of a sudden, you're experiencing a terror barrier you didn't know you had. So the skill set of understanding how it works and how to break through it is very, very important because you're always, anytime you set a new goal, anytime that you're going to do something different, you're going to go through a terror barrier. Your subconscious mind is going to try to find something to agree with to ignite your imagination to keep you right where you are so you don't succeed. Now, having said that, the idea is that you can maintain a fantastic attitude as you go through the terror barrier. As you have challenges, as you, ha as you have things that go wrong. When you go through a terror barrier, it can be as good as you want it to be or as bad as you don't want it to be. That's your choice. That is your choice. So allowing yourself to go down this road of shame and guilt and self-pity and loathing and all of that stuff, all you're doing is making yourself miserable. And you're, you're also feeding 
another reason for you to quit. So make the change. Decide that if I'm going to show up, why not show up happy? Why not show up fun? Why not show up joy? These are choices that I can make for myself. And accept the idea that there is no growth without a terror barrier. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.